It's podcast 45 from Football Adania, your home of Dutch football. You're listening to us on YouTube, SoundCloud or iTunes. Get ready for a whale of a podcast with Michael Bell, Charlie Pritchard and myself, Michael Statham. We'll discuss the latest Eredivisie happenings, Feyenoord 6, Ajax 2, Giovan Bronckhorst leaving Feyenoord at the end of the season and transfer news including Frankie de Jong's confirmed transfer to Barcelona. We've also got loads of Twitter questions to answer, thanks for sending those in. Mike, Charlie, let's get started with um, this Feyenoord Ajax game then, so it finished 6-2. Huge win for Feyenoord, huge defeat for Ajax. Let's get um, our sort of raw thoughts on it, because it's not long finished from the time we're recording. Um, and you know it's it's massive in this season's Eredivisie title race. Yeah, I mean what an incredible result, um, one that I definitely didn't see coming. You know, going into the week, you know you had Van Bronckhorst announcing that he was leaving. Um, you know, I thought I actually be well up for it because obviously the the drew here and been last week put a big chance to go top. Um, I expected them to come out all guns blazing. Um, well, they did. They scored first, but. You know, Feyenoord, this is usually a tricky tie for them. Usually it's, it's Ajax that wins these games in Dukuyp. Um, Feyenoord haven't won in the league there since 2012 against them. Um, but they were incredible after after falling behind. And Ajax defences couldn't handle um, Berghaus, uh, Turnstra, Van Persie, all of them just getting in behind constantly. You know, finished 6-2. It could have been easily been 8 or 9. Um, I mean... It's a massive game in the title race. That's something now five points behind PSV, and it's obvious now that Ten Hag has big issues to deal with with his defence. And you know some of the players just didn't show up today, and uh, it's a worry going into such crucial ties against you know, Real Madrid in the Champions League. Um, and you got to look forward to the game at home against PSV. Now is is now a must win. You know, PSV don't drop very many points they did last week, but usually they're the ones you can rely on and. Can you really see them losing two games in a row now? It's going to be difficult for Ajax to get back into it. I think this game could uh, be a big turning point in the title race. Yeah, I thought that um, Feyenoord started really sloppily. Like Ajax came out of the blocks really well, and obviously the free kick from Schoener was like always destined to go in. I thought, but then the crowd started getting on the back of the players, and the attack was flying in, and the intensity just came straight after that first goal. That up that. Um, Tornstra got back for Feyenoord and from then they just didn't look back. I know they had the I know that Ziyech equalised, but I think that Feyenoord were just superb. Um the crowd were a really big part of it and I think Michael tweeted out after the game, like they always seem to rise to the occasion at Dekype. And it's sort of frustrating because with losses in against uh, Fortuna Sittar and, and Peck, like really recently, they just seem to be a really inconsistent side and apart from the two goals they conceded. I thought they were quite good defensively as well. I thought Verdonk was superb but left back and kind of um, minimising Ziyech's influence on the game. Um, and in the midfield, they seem to do really well. But then obviously, yeah, RBP, Tornstra, Larson should get special mention. He was really good, even though he didn't really get involved um, with, the, with the goals or assists. He was he was superb. And I think it was a really good way for Gio to go out um, as his last Classico. I think it's the first time he's beaten Ajax as a player for Feyenoord. Whether it's a play, um, he's beaten Ajax as a player or a manager for Feyenoord. So... Um, yeah, nice bonus for him as well. Well, um, it's good to hear that Charlie's at least waxing lyrical about Feyenoord. I think on the other hand, yes, Feyenoord were fantastic in the Kalp. 
but yeah, also how frustrating it is for Final fans that they don't get to see this very often. Um, they also saw it against PSV, where Final just were the better team on the day, and the fans loved it. And they, they, it's a, a vicious cycle with the Final fans winning on the players and the players winning on the fans, and it, that's why it's such a great atmosphere in that stadium. But on the other hand, Ajax were dreadful. Um, and as, as Charlie said, I tweeted out after the match that it's just a question of mentality with Ajax. It's going to be a fifth season without a trophy um, if they don't pick up the cup or the league, well, or the Champions League. And it's just clear to see why. And this match is a perfect example. Um, I've already picked up on the full-backs being dreadful in that game. Um, but also, just a big game mentality. Because in the Champions League, the Ajax players can turn up so why can't they turn up in the league when they're playing PSV or Feyenoord? Um, they're huge games to pick up the points and they clearly have the talent um, to win these games and the know-how having done it in Europe. But I guess coming to you guys again, you know, what, why is it the case they can't turn up for big games like this? Is it a simple a case of they're just overconfident? They're thinking they can easily beat one of their league rivals, even if they're one of the top league rivals they have. Yeah, I think um, you know there's an incredible stat going around after this game that you look at Ajax's defence in the league. The first half of the season, 17 games, only conceded eight goals. Um, the two games back after winter break last week, they conceded four against Hirnveen and you know six today against Feyenoord. Um, overconfidence definitely plays a part in it, I think. But then first, got to look at the mentality of the players because you know last week, obviously the PSV game was before theirs. And they knew a win would have put them top. And they blew it, um, conceding in the last minute. Here and being definitely deserves that in the 4-4 draw. And again today, when they needed to, they couldn't handle it. Um, I think it shows a lack of leadership at certain areas of the pitch. And some of the players just, maybe they're only playing for themselves at times. Um, players like Hakim Ziyech, he's great going forward at times, um, but he doesn't track back. Um, as Rally was left out at sea, he went forward, he was caught out constantly. Um, you know, Anana screamed in his face at one point, you know, to wake up. It didn't work. Um, you got to look at the players like Delict, Shona. These players have to take leadership of the game and they're not doing it at the moment. And um, it's a big worry for Ten Hag. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think too many of the players are uh, looking after themselves and, and being too individual, um, for sure. I think there's kind of a complacency, perhaps. Um, in the Champions League group, there was kind of not as much pressure on them, I don't think. Um, you know, with Bayern obviously going to go and win that group, they perform really well. But I, I would argue that if you if we're talking about PSV as well, that they they did themselves quite proud in their Champions League group, even though they finished bottom and and didn't win many games. They were playing three absolutely at times world class teams um, on their day, and I think that they play much more as a team. Obviously, they've got their individuals that are going to be looking at moving in the summer. Um, but all the talk's been around De Ligt and De Jong. And today, De Ligt had a tour of time. He couldn't. He 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 had Magdalene next to him, and it just looked like a horror show. They couldn't. They didn't. It's like right said Fred. They didn't know how to defend at all. Um, and they, I think they missed Tali Fico today. He's obviously um, picked up a knock. Um, and uh, Ten Hag will be wanting to get rid of him if he's the one that recommended Magdalene because he was terrible. Um, and I don't think you can expect to win the title if you're losing three nil in Eindhoven and six two in Rotterdam. It's just not. It's not. It's it's. It's not the kind of form you're, what you want to expect. Um, you can lose those games, sure, but to lose them so convincingly and it, it's actually embarrassing. And um, I think Ten Hag will be bitterly disappointed with that. Uh, interesting point, my both of you there, that a lack of leadership in Ajax. Well, I, I kind of disagree because, again, you saw that in the Champions League. 
how together they were and why is it that that can't work in 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 domestic competitions really it comes down to you know it's the champions league is something new the clubs didn't really know what to expect from ajax really um i think the likes of bayern munich and um, were cut out benfica definitely and these are big european knights i think the players just got themselves up for them once a bit more i think they were coming to the Feyenoord, the Hagen sets in, it's a team that they're mainly used to beating um, in years gone by. And they've just taken their eye completely off the ball, I think. When it got the fans and stuff like that, they start tweeting out that, you know, Feyenoord are awful and they're going to get beaten and stuff like that. That riles them up. And the atmosphere in the Kuyp and the players, this seemed like every single 50-50 ball that, or 50-50 challenge, Ajax is winning it. Um, you know, Ajax weren't prepared to put their foot in. You know, maybe they see the game against Real Madrid as is something that they all want to be fit for, so maybe they, they're not risking injuries and stuff like that. It's a couple of weeks away. Um, you know, it's it's hard to put it down to one reason why, say, Ajax next week could go and bat a team seven eight nil, but today they were dreadful. It's just it's something that is worrying for the mentality of these players. Yeah, I think it was really revealing. Um, about Ajax today that if the game's not being played on their terms they don't seem up for it um, when the game's kind of in the balance um, and it's on a big night as as you just said yeah they can turn up for it but you can lose in the kite that's that's fine like PSV lost there uh, that was their uh, first loss of the season but it wasn't embarrassing uh, they let their wounds they come, they've come back um, I know they drew to Emin the other day but they're kind of maintaining this level they're not leaking goals they're not fundamentally changing everything Van Bommel said uh, before the winter break, he said, I'm not going to change things just because of Feyenoord. And with Ten Hag now, it's, there's going to be a lot of question marks. He might have to change. He might have to bring in different personnel. Um, he might have to shake it up a bit. Tali Fico, as I said, really big miss. You know, the fullbacks are so important, especially for Ajax and PSV in the Eredivisie. If you're looking at PSV, you know, Angelino and Dumfries are excellent the way they go forward. Um, Ajax just didn't have any cohesion in their, in their, in their width today. Um, and when it got played through the middle, Larson and RVP were just linking up superbly particularly for the second goal and they just overloaded them and there was just too much intensity for them to handle yeah i agree and i suppose at the end of the day you've got to look at how well the final played but i, I again must question how ajax can get themselves up for these big european nights as you both said but if you can't get yourself right up for the atmosphere in the Kalp, then you shouldn't be a footballer that, that is the one of the top games that you can be playing one of the best games you can be playing in um but we've spoken about Ajax, we've spoken about PSV briefly. And let's talk more about Feyenoord because this is a two-horse tight race still with Ajax and, F and PSV. Feyenoord won't be catching up to this anytime soon. Um, and one of the questions sent in by Abdul, he wants to know uh, why why Giovan Bronckhorst, who's leaving at the end of the season for Feyenoord, why he couldn't lead Feyenoord to win the Eredivisie title again. Yeah, I think for me this is something that's frustrated me watching Feyenoord. I've said it on this podcast before. Um, at times this season have been like horrendous to watch. They've been really dull, boring. They play low tempo football at times. Um, you know, it's, it's talking about players getting themselves up for the, the bigger occasions, and that's that's the thing with, with this Feyenoord side. There seems to be a lot of players still around the club that you know maybe should have moved on by now. Um, and they've they've won the title um, two seasons ago. Maybe some of them think that they've done all they can with Feyenoord, and they're not is up for it as they, they should be and um, they seem to be getting rolled over in some of the games that they should win and then the games that you think that they shouldn't win they do and um, 
hence this one and the uh, home game against PSV are the, the, basically their two best performances of the season. And uh, I think that comes down to the coaching. Um, if he can't get the players up for the the one the games against you know the Pex Volas and the Fortuna Sittards, then it comes down to him because he should be the one that's able to to G his players up, and he's not been able to do that all this season. Um, you know, you don't need to get a Van Persie up for a game against Ajax at home. You do need to get him motivated for maybe Fortuna Sittard away, where you know intensity is not going to be that high. And uh, I think. After you know four or five years at the club, I think it has come a time now for a shake-up and a new man to come in charge. Yeah, I think that with Feyenoord winning the title in 2017, a lot of players then departed. Um, they lost Congolo, Carlos Dorp, El, Ma- El Amadi, uh, the talismanic Dirk Kalp to retirement, and um, Elia. So I think Ram Bronkhorst had to have the next season to kind of rebuild that team a bit and um, bring in some new personnel. And it didn't necessarily come off, and it's not necessarily come off this season. Um, you know, going back with Van Persie, you know, he's he's retiring at the end of the season as well, so he's not a long-term solution. Um, so maybe it's a case of Van Bronckhorst taking the team as far as they can go after the title, after that kind of emotional title race and kind of winning it on the last weekend. Um, that's a, that's the kind of a peak of what he could do uh, with that team, and maybe at a better club with better resources, um, he could do more. Um, so I think that it was it's always going to be hard when you're fighting against PSV and Ajax to. To, to to compete for another title against them. It might have just been a one-off. Um, I think we can link um, the next question about Feyenoord into this part because Ryan would like to know what's up with a Feyenoord Youth Academy. And I'd like to argue that part of the problem that Van Bronckels had was that he couldn't bring through enough of his youth products. And whenever that these players were playing in the first team, it was only ever because of necessity rather than wanting to develop the players. Um, for example, Dylan Venter was only put in because of the necessity that there was no strikers fit. Or um, Auckland Kutcher is only getting his chance now. Um, is uh, Ryan's asked about what's up with the final youth academy, but arguably is that purely because Van Bronckhorst wasn't giving his players uh, a chance, or are, are his final youth academy going through a tough a tough spell at the moment? Um, with the academy for the past few years. A few players have left. Um, the Chong went to Manchester United. There's a few others, and one of the reasons I put it down to is the fact that you know, young Ajax, young PSV, they both play in the, the second division, um, professional football. You know, Feyenoord didn't go down that route. Um, you know, there were some money troubles at the club for a time. They didn't really want to to put all the money into the reserves, um, so they play at a weaker level. And um, some of the players. They lost some good talents because of that, and yeah, they've just not brought many through in the past couple of years. If you get it in the summer, they had a chance to bring some into the team. There's Walter Berger as well; he's one that's coming through. Um, Albacitawi is another talented one, but you know they, they re-sign Jordi Classy, they sign Yasin Ayub. That's two midfielders for one spot. You know, there's not going to be a young talent coming through there. They've got Van Persie. They've got. Um, Jorgensen up front that holds back Venter unless one of them's injured. I think um, the club just don't have their eye on the youth at the moment, um, and maybe that's something that will change when a new coach is brought in. Um, if there's a lack of funds, then you've got to look at Koku because he's been linked to move away to to England and to Turkey. They can't lose, keep losing players like that, and uh, something has to change. 
Yeah, I think there needs to be kind of a reevaluation of expectations because they've since the title win, you've kind of, I think it's kind of a case of giving Van Bronckhorst um, a bit more time to see if he can do it again. And now he's obviously admitted that he wants to leave at the end of the season, um, and that might be an admission of saying I can't, I can't do any more with this team. I can't do it again. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think with a new manager, the club can work closely with him and say, right, what's the pathway going to be for the academy? How are we going to kind of promote this? Are we going to put a kind of number that we want to see coming through from the academy and stop buying players just to kind of fill gaps for the short term and look for longer term solutions. Um, and that could definitely help Final going going forward. Um, European football might not have helped them when they got into the Champions League group and they were humiliated against Man City and things like that. And then obviously this season in the playoffs, they didn't do very well. So they kind of need to kind of, they I think they should reevaluate where they're going um, and then they can hopefully compete with Ajax and PSV in the future. Well, uh, this brings us on to the next question from Jordan, who would like to know who will be in the frame as the next final manager. Who would you both consider? The name has been mostly linked is Morris Stein and the uh, Veno coach. I think he was pictured with um, one of the final directors um, said it was for something different, an auction, and Stein was donating shirts to it. Um, or something like that, but you know he's one of the coaches that's done really well in the Netherlands in the past couple of seasons. He's done wonders with VVV, um, and he's been linked to other top, like other positions in England. Um, it'll be a good move for him if he he goes for it. I know Dirk Coit was getting pushed forward for it because he's the under nineteen manager at the moment. Um, but I think they've denied that. So I think Morris Stein for me is the one the one to watch. Yeah, I agree. I think Morris Stein for sure. Um, he's been dealing with a lot of. Um, he's had to kind of manage a lot of loan deals um, at Venlo, and and a lot of their players haven't been there for with a kind of long term uh, pathway. So I think if he got got his hands on some of the some of the really good young talents coming through at Feyenoord, then he could certainly nurture them into into a, a really good team and and take some of his talents from from a lower league. Uh, from a lower t- lower team in the league uh, to a bigger club, um, but then also another name that Reggie Blinker mentioned was Hank Fraser at Sparta Rotterdam, um, and he was his pick. Um, so there could be a good shout in there, but that could be risky bringing in a player f- um, a manager from the Estevizi. Um I think Morris Stein's probably deserved a move to a bigger club for sure. Agreed, and um, I know we had a question this week about who who the best manager outside of the top three Eredivisie clubs is within the Dutch league. And I think my answer to that would be Maurice Stein as well. Um, we're all we're all big fans of him at Football Daniel. He's, he's a fantastic manager um, and he's just proven at VVV that he's ready for that next move. I think they have to be very careful they find whoever they pick next because if they're looking within the league, um, there are some good options. But I think someone who was a great manager at his previous club, Mitchell van der Haag, who did a great job at Excelsior, moved on to Nat Breda. And we all thought with a little bit extra money, only a little bit extra than he would have had at Excelsior, that he would then push on and push the club up the table, but it just hasn't happened and he has really struggled. Uh, no, Nat Bleda having all these um, different players, too many options, the same position, chopping and changing. And it's just not what we expected um, of Van der Haag um, at, at the new club. Let's just hope that Stein isn't the same scenario where he goes to a bigger club and doesn't quite work out for him. And we spoke about Hank Fraser there. He did win uh, Vitesse's... Uh, Cup um, a couple of years ago, um, but but apart from that, he didn't set the world alight at Vitesse. Not really at Arden Haag either, and a good job at Sparta. But is he a top three Eredivisie manager? Debatable. Um, 
But yes, if if Fine are going to look within the league, I think Murray Stein is perhaps the best option at the moment. Okay, so moving on to transfer news. So our, our second sort of big topic of this podcast. We're just at the end of January and we're wondering where certain players might go. There's been some huge transfers happening and the biggest one of those has been Frankie de Jong, who's made his huge transfer to Barcelona. Um, he's confirmed it, it's going to happen in the summer. And um, to kick us off, Mike asks a question. Um, not, not, not me, not, not Michael Bell. Um, he wants to know though, Mike, is Frankie de Jong good enough to go straight into the Barcelona start at starting eleven? For me, he is. Um, I think he's definitely good enough. You've seen it in the games that he's played for Netherlands against France and Germany. When he's controlled these these games from the midfield, he just effortlessly, effortlessly breezes past players. Um, he can control the games. Um, you know, today aside against Feyenoord, he's he's been having a great season, um, and I'm really excited to see what he can do and. In Barcelona, I think it's a club that suits them perfectly with the way they play. I think he'll have, you know, behind the scenes to be a lot of love from there. He'll be nurtured well, he'll be treated well, and um, he'll be given opportunities to start the season and um, to show what he can do. And every level that he's come through so far, whether it be jumping from well and play to to young Ajax, young Ajax straight into the Ajax eleven, or and Ajax to the Netherlands side in the Champions League, he's taken it all on his stride. He's looked excellent whenever he's been playing. So, um, yeah, I think he's Netherlands' biggest talent there is. Um, and I can see him being a great player for Barcelona next season. Yeah, it's it's really exciting uh, to see Frankie de Jong move to Barcelona. It was the move I think I, I would have preferred for him to make instead of PSG um, or Man City because of kind of that romantic link between Dutch players and uh, the Catalan club. If you're looking at, you know, Van Bommel, Kluivert, uh, Koeman, obviously both Johans, Nieskens and Cruyff as well. Uh, so that history is kind of on his side, um, as we've mentioned. And I think immense credit's got to go to Villanueva for his development. Um, I know they will get some money from that as well. But I think the most exciting aspect is kind of how how's he going to develop at the club and where's he going to play? Is he going to be kind of the Javi or Iniesta kind of style? Is he going to sit like Busquets? Uh, there are some good questions there. And I think he'll go straight into that team because they've Barcelona, since Javin Iniesta have departed, they've been kind of having an aring about which kind of midfielder they want. They've gone with robust midfielder in Vidal and more of a more of a Javi replacement in Artur. Um, so I think De Jong will certainly fit in, and he's he's a massive signing. So they'll be under pressure to play him if Alverde's still there. And um, I certainly think he can he can kick into that next gear and go to the next level. Oh yes, very really excited to see De Jong make it to to Barcelona, and that. I- It'll be interesting to see if, if he can handle that level. And he, we've seen it on the international stage that he can really stand out. But if is he going to face a bit of adversity when he first moves there? I think it just be really interesting to see how he deals with it. And Because I, I think he will be thrown in there. I, I don't think he would have moved to Barcelona had he not been told that, that the plan was to have him as a starter um, from the get-go. I, I, I truly believe that he, he has gone there because he was told that he would have that chance and he might not have gone otherwise. Um... And on the topic of Frank de Jong, um, Dolwyn would like to know who will be replacing Frank de Jong at Ajax. Um, according to German outlets, they're targeting a Bayern Munich youngster, uh, Meriton Shabani. So is de Jong going to be replaceable? Are Ajax going to uh, pay for somebody to replace him or is it someone that's going to come through the youth system instead? Or is this Shabani from Bayern Munich the answer? I think if you're looking at what you want to bring through, 
Carol Eiting um, is the one that I would suggest would be a midfield starter from next season. It was actually at the start of this season he was in the midfield and Frankie de Jong was in the defence. Um, he suffered an injury since then which kept him out of the team. But he's another exciting midfielder that's coming through um, Ajax at the moment and he's definitely one to watch next uh, season as well as Ryan Gravenberch, the young midfielder who did so well for the Netherlands under-17s when they won the European Championships. He's another one that they've pinned a lot of hopes on coming through the academy and I think those two will be um, starters or definitely more involved in the first team next next season once a lot of the stars uh, depart. Yeah, I agree. I think those two will definitely slot in and it's an interesting one because when you lose a player who's got such a high transfer fee and has and got so much hype around him in, in such a short space of time it could be quite hard to bring someone in with that expectation but I'm sure the Ajax fans will understand they, they're used to a lot of players leaving and uh, for big money so I think they should adopt the same approach in replacing him that they have done usually which is nurturing and not you know spending that money um, because it's a lot of money they could go out and buy a, a, a top a top midfielder, but it's about the attraction. Um, so I think definitely, yeah, bringing someone in from 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 lower down um, would be much better. Well, it's the Ajax way to have a youth product come through, isn't it, and and reach that first team. And Ryan Kavenberg is that answer. He's that next midfielder to play in that position. He's very young though, but we all know um, his talent and his potential. And why why not um, get into that now? Why not tap into that and just see how he does at a first team level? Um, plenty more to come in this podcast though about other Eredivisie teams and their transfer uh, business but um, on the last question about Ajax William would like to know with the Frankie de Jong money coming in and other impending moves at the end of a season thinking you know Delict, Neresh how do you see Ajax spending on transfers in the summer market and who would they target within the Eredivisie or you know how would they look to spend abroad I think they'll spend a big chunk of it I think to be under pressure too because they're going to receive so much money and um, if you think about what I've turned down for Davin Neres this month you know a reported fee more than 45 million which is just crazy and um, for someone that's been sitting on our bench for most of the season what are going to get for Delict, for Ziyech then you know possibly Dolberg if he goes Van de Beek, Tagliafico, all these players, Onana I mean they're going to be super rich coming to summer and then there's going to be you know some pressure on Mark Overmars to get the right people in. Um, if you're looking at the Eredivisie, I don't think there's very many players around at the moment that would necessarily improve them from other teams. I would suggest um, Ritsu Doan, or as you're about to say him, Mike, Ritsu Doan at Honingen, because I think he'd be a fantastic placement for Hakim Zia. Um, the only three I would suggest would be Doan, Odegaard, or Calvin Stengs, um, I think those are the three that are maybe the gems outside the, the top three in there to visit at the moment. Um, and they're the ones I think they'll target. They're definitely Calvin Stengs, I've seen a lot of um, rumours on social media, Ajax fans calling for him to be signed um, after he scored a couple of goals for AZ. He's you know, a very exciting winger, I think he could be the replacement for Neres. Um, but outside there to visit, you know, they surprised us with Dusan Tadic. Who knows who they could go after with the money that they have? They could bring in another couple of experienced, you know, top level players um, to improve their squad next summer. I think it's you've got to see it as a a transition summer with all the players are going to lose, but it's also an exciting summer. And 
who could they target and who could they bring in because there's going to be a lot of deals to be done. I, I, I agree that Ajax could go in and get someone that is more experienced into their team. I think that, that the blend that they've got this season, well, it seemed before they lost 6-2 to final that it was the perfect blend of, of players, of experience and youth. Ajax ways to bring through these young players, but also that Tadic has it's been such a great addition. He's, he's scored plenty of goals this season and there's nothing stopping them with the money they're going to get this summer spending um, it all on another experienced, high-quality player. Um, it's just about who they can attract to the area of Z with that lure of European football and winning the title, uh, Champions League, it's, it will attract those kind of players. But yes, it's just going to get tricky year on year. And um, whether they can keep the likes of Tadic, even though he's been there, we've only been there for a year, whether he wants to move on, having had such a great season, um, with only so few years left in his career. Uh, I think it's really tricky. And I was saying on Twitter the other day that, that they got, they're going to get about nearly quarter of a billion euros to spend who do they spend it on i i think some of it will go back into the the club some of it will go on on the on the youth academy but surely yet again they will spend some money and especially with magayan uh not really impressing at centre-back delict leaving i'd have thought another centre-back would be the key priority in the summer um i don't think they'll like for like replace de Jong. i think they'll rely on getting stronger players in other areas of the pitch perhaps another winger um, but it's going to be a very interesting summer and we always know with Dutch clubs it's, it's always a summer of change. Uh, whoever does well is going to end up moving on. Let's change our attention to PSV slightly. We have a question about Stephen Berkvine. Um, and I, good luck reading this uh, Twitter handle. Scheherazade, something like that. He would like to know whether we rate Stephen Berkvine as he's been linked to Manchester United. And if I'm going to chip in, I think... All, all of us really love Steven Bergfine. He's made such a great impression for PSV, Dutch national team. But Manchester United, is that his level? For me, I'd say no. Um, not at the moment, because we saw what happened with, with Memphis Depay um, a few years ago. Going to Manchester United, getting you know, swallowed up in the Premier League. Um, a couple of bad performances. The fans were already on his back. He couldn't really turn it around um, you know he's got his career back on track since leaving but you know he'd already won that for Bergvine I think he'd be smarter going to a more an intermediate step or a club that has more tradition with playing um, a lot of youth talents you know he's been linked to a Bayern Munich I think that'd be a bigger fit mainly because they're going to lose a few wingers this summer I think he'd, he'd slot in there if he goes to Man United, is he really going to get playing time? You know, you got Martial, Lingard, you know, Rashford can play on the, the wings. Is he going to go there as a starter? Probably not. And um, you'd have maybe a new coach going in there as well. Who knows what he would be thinking? Um, I think it'd be a lot of pressure on him if he went to Manchester United, whereas if he went to a club like you know, Bayern Munich or maybe even like a Tottenham, um, there'd be a much less um, pressure on him to, to succeed straight away. I think that'd be a much smarter move for him. Um, he's he's really talented, and you know, the Manchester United is the level that he should be aiming for going forward. But I'd just like to see him maybe take one step before going there. Yeah, he's certainly got the potential to move to a really big club. Um, but I agree. I don't know where these lengths come from because United really don't need another winger because at the moment it's looking really promising with Marshall Lingard and Rashford going 
in their front three that they don't need to put someone else in there. They've got also Sanchez, uh, hope they, who they hope uh, will turn into the player they think they bought. Um, so, yeah, I think Bergwijn should go to a club where he would make that natural path. And if he's following the path of, um, in the footsteps of Memphis and he's learning from his experience, he should m- maybe resist from going to such a big club where he might not get played and he might not be given that trust straight away and think that Memphis is now thriving in a different league with a, with a big club um, and maybe see where he can go from there to a club that actually needs a winger and they're crying out for a new star to be born. I agree. Um, Man United is a little bit of a oh, step too far, maybe, at this stage of his career. I think Berfine might be better suited going to the likes of um, a Spurs, perhaps, or the top of Italy. Somewhere where he'll he'll earn a lot of money, he's going to be have a big transfer fee, but not someone who's going to have a lot of pressure on him. Memphis had a lot of eyes on him at the time. Manchester United is already that global club where everyone's looking at you constantly, but with someone like Spurs, and I'm not saying Tottenham are a small club, but they certainly will have less pressure on having to succeed. And I think if Berkheim worked his way into the first team and eventually became that starter they relied upon, I think it might suit him slightly better rather than a shock effect at going to such a huge, huge club. Um, let's move on to another chance rumour then that's going to happen either this month or in the, in the summer. Let's talk about Brandon Kuvas. He's been at Heliclis for so, so long. Um, but NM would like to talk about Kuvas and what's going to happen with him this month or in the summer. Is, is Heracles now his level? He's 25 and he's still there. Yeah, I think if you look at Kuvas, it's a very similar situation to um, Mahi at Ronigan. They got they have like a upsurge in form at sometimes. They score a few spectacular goals um, and then the media attention goes on to them um, and they get linked with moves but then they can't keep it up um, and then eventually the links go away. There was a point where QAS was getting linked to getting a call up for Netherlands, um, which never came along and I think he's now accepted that he's not going to play for the Dutch national team. Um, he's getting to that age where you'd expect him to make a move by now. There isn't anybody circling this month. His form hasn't been that great since the start of the season, I know. Heracles had a great start of the season, but it was mostly Christopher Peterson that was getting the, the plaudits for that. QS was on the bench um, for a few games. He's not really kicked on since since last year, and uh, I think he will move in the summer, but I don't think it's going to be to a, a big club. It'll be somebody like what we've seen from Zanelli at here in Vienna. It'll be like a Stade de Reims, um, a lower, lower side that picks him off eventually. Um, yeah, I just can't see him making a big move now. Yeah, it's always natural when a team starts the season well and they go into a good run of form that uh, if they're scoring a lot of goals as well, that their attacking players will get a lot of attention. And, you know, Harry Clay's with two wins from the last 10 matches, a <clears throat> really experienced the slide. And he's a good player, Kuras, but um, it will probably be a sideways move in the terms of moving across to a, a decent mid table team in another league um, if he is going to move. And he probably won't procure much of a transfer fee. Yeah, Brandley Kuvas perhaps is at his level in the Eredivisie. And I think since he was frustrated at not getting to leave in the summer, um, he just hasn't been the same kind of player. Another attacking player who's um, looking for something bigger in future, Martin Odegaard. Uh, I know for Ramadjid at Vitesse Arnhem. He has been better, hasn't he, this season at Vitesse Arnhem. But again, I think you're looking at him trying to really kick on now, but it's not going to happen for him perhaps at this top, top level. Um, and and Andalus would like to know more about him and 
whether or not he should go back to Real Madrid or get another loan, perhaps to a La Liga side? For me, I think, um, you know, Odegaard still says his dream is to be a starter at Real Madrid, but his, his performances um, for here and Vien, they've been better. Uh, sorry, for Vitesse, they've been better than they were for, for here and Vien, but he still goes missing in games. Um, you know, today Vitesse went down to Fortuna Sittard and, you know, you wouldn't have even noticed that Odegaard was on the pitch um, for most of the game. Um, then it'll be a, it'll be a game maybe next week where you'll star and you'll get an assist and a goal, but he's just not doing it consistently enough. He's not doing it on that level that Real Madrid are going to start saying that yeah he's he's going to start for us. Especially that Real Madrid at the moment are going through a difficult period, and I think in the summer we're going to see um, a lot of transfers at that club, and I think they're going to go out and sign a lot of players. You know, I think Odegaard maybe needs to be smarter and decide that. Yeah, maybe this is not going to happen for me here. I'll get a permanent move to another club and try and try and build myself again. Um, you know, he's been linked to Ajax, you know, constantly. And maybe he's the, that's the kind of club where he can develop more and become the replacement for Hakim Ziyech and star there. Then maybe get another big move to another big club. But I think um, it'd be smart for him to get away from Real Madrid and that pressure of going out on loan constantly from them and you know start to rebuild himself at somewhere else. Yeah, it's a real shame that, in a way, that he went to Real Madrid straight away when he was so young, um, and it kind of built up this expectation that he was going to be um, a playmaker for them, who would go and score loads of goals, get loads of assists, and be the star of the future. When in fact, he's kind of a typical young modern playmaker who's quite diminutive. He doesn't necessarily get loads of stats in terms of goals. He's got three this season in the league. Um, that's not his necessarily. That's not his style. But it certainly hampered his development. This kind of umming and ahhing about what his future was at Real Madrid and he got his debut but then went back to Real Madrid B, went into the Eredivisie, did okay but but yeah he he does go missing and that's that's unfortunately the way it's gone. He's still only 20 years old um, but it would be beneficial for him for, I think, to get out of Real Madrid and um, kind of rebuild his career somewhere else where he can be a bit more, he can have a bit of love and people trust in him a bit more and, and they really take him on, under their wing as a, as a football club somewhere else. Whilst we're on the topic of this area of the Eredivisie um, who is your favourite for fourth place in the league this season? I mean, I'm asking this question because there's been a lot of inconsistency this weekend with the clubs that are chasing the top three, and a lot of had ambitions to chase the top three down. But um, with final playing the way they did against Ajax, Vitesse, RZ, Utrecht, or maybe even VVV or Heracles, who would you both tip for fourth place this season? I think before today, my eyes would have been on Utrecht, but. Um, I'm actually going to go for for AZ. Um, I think that with Stang is coming in to some form, um, Sinchin's up front scoring some goals. The defence seems to be getting better um, since the winter break. Um, I'm going to tip them just ahead of our clubs that are just a bit too inconsistent. Uh, the tests were awful today. Utrecht were awful today. Um, you know, he's at, right now are playing here in Wien and um, we'll see if they can get a win there to propel them at the table. But I think uh, they'll finish the season strongly and I think they would just pip it to fourth place. Yeah, I would have said Utrecht um, before Christmas um, because they were on a good run. Uh, they've lost their last three games now, uh, so it's not looking as good for them. 
Vitesse are quite inconsistent. Uh, and if I said, yeah, if they if they beat Heronbane, uh, they can pick up a bit of consistency and and really finish the season well and go for that fourth place. Uh, but it is a bit of a shame for Utrecht because they were doing well under Aguacat. Um They were better at the back. Uh, they were scoring quite a lot of goals. They were blowing teams away at times, um, and they've just fallen away. And and it's it's going to be hard for them to kind of regain that momentum going forward. Okay, I also agree, with Mike. And I think it will be RZ that will pip everyone else that fourth place position. Strange we're going on with the test at the moment. Leonard Slutsky, um, it's not it's just not going well at all. They they keep dropping points against the the lower league teams. Another defeat against Fortuna Sittard this weekend. Um, it's it's just dropping out, dropping week weekend by weekend for them, and I'm starting to get a few questions over Slutsky's job, which is um, a shame because I rated him a lot start the season. I still think he's got a lot to offer at the club, and I hope he keeps working hard there. Uh, one last topic to talk about: um, Rawhide and Jordan both put in questions about Vincent Janssen. Um, they want to know what's going to happen with him. There's a transfer likely, and Jordan in particular would like to know if he's going to end up back in the Eredivisie. I've always said that he'll end up back at RZ Alkmaar. And if that doesn't happen in January, it'll happen in the summer. What about you two? Um, back in Eredivisie this month is going to be difficult. I think Tottenham want to get rid of him permanently. Janssen wants to leave permanently. I think there's going to be a Premier League club before the end of the transfer window that that needs a striker that will end up paying the, the money that Tottenham want. I think Tottenham are going to get desperate before the, the 31st to sell him. You know, there's some rumours going around that they'll accept... You know, between 12 and 15 million for him, I think that's going to drop in the next four days. I think Burnley are the club that are linked. Um, I think that's that that would be a good move for him, um, a, a chance for him to, to prove himself back in the Premier League. I just can't see him moving back to AZ this month because I don't think they're going to pay 10 to 11 million, but I think uh, another Premier League club would. Um, maybe even one from somewhere in Europe that just comes out of the blue and needs a striker will We'll go from, and I think it's a big shame because I don't really know what's happened with him and Pochettino. But you think Harry Kane's out injured, you think they would give him a chance. Um, Fernando Llorente's been pretty horrific for them. The, the Cubs fans have been asking why he's not been given a game. Um, he's been scoring for the under 23s, he's had a couple of assists as well. You think he would have got maybe another opportunity there, but you know, Pochettino's just refusing to use him. Um, and then I hope it comes back to bite him because I hope Janssen goes on to an club and regains his form because he's not now just a terrible striker because he's not made it at Tottenham. And before that, he was he was banging in the goals left, right and centre for AZ and Netherlands. Um, he had a, a very bright future ahead of him and I think he can regain that form by going to somewhere that shows him a bit more confidence. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's all about the interest. I mean, Spurs want that kind of 12 million kind of range from bracket. So from their point of view, it would be better if a lower league Premier League team, um, lower take, uh, position Premier League team come in for him, a team that's struggling down at the bottom who need goals, um, perhaps like Huddersfield or, as you said, Burnley. Um, and, and maybe even, well, Fulham have got Mitrovic, but then just a team that kind of needs to have a big um, pick-up. But then he's a player that's not played at all he's been in the under 23 he's doing doing not much and and it's a bit of a risk but for sure the Eredivisie clubs I don't think will risk spending 12 million uh, pounds on him um, and it'd be better in the summer to kind of reevaluate it and go from there um, instead of doing it in January because that could even that could be even more detrimental to his career if he moves somewhere else and doesn't have a good six months because there'll be a lot of pressure on him um, so it's really unfortunate for him personally for sure. Charlie, Mike, thank you very much for joining me in this podcast. No problem. Cheers. My pleasure, mate. Cheers.
and we'll be recording another one very soon, hopefully, especially with Ajax against Real Madrid in the wings. Bye for now.